Welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Imani. Experience optimal pumping with hospital strength output as well as a never-before-seen boost mode. And we will hear more from our sponsor later, but you can head to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com and check our sponsor page if you need anything. See if you can give them any of your business because they make this podcast possible. And while you're there, you can scroll down and enter your email address and we will send episodes straight to your inbox every week. People are doing it. Get in on it. It'll be much easier for you. And um, thank you very much, Diane. Has our review of the week? I do. And this is kind of, it's a review and it's a question. And I, this mama might have actually had her baby. So she says, I'm a full-time mom or a first-time mom, sorry. First-time mom sitting at 37 weeks. Um, and this was came in a couple weeks ago. I am researching and becoming prepared to breastfeed. And I really, really wanted to be successful. I see you have episodes on alcohol and marijuana consumption, but I haven't found anything about nicotine. I have strived to cut back completely. Quitting has been extremely difficult for me. I'm interested to know the impact of nicotine on breastfeeding. I really, really enjoy your show. And y'all are definitely informative and entertaining. Thank you all. So That's I such know a good we did question. something. It is. I and I know that, we talked about it once, but I it's know, not like a- We've talked about it, but we haven't done like a whole episode on it. I don't even know if we could talk a whole episode about that. Yeah. I mean, I we could do so. like a harm reduction episode where we talk about various things and like how to- Because I think with with nicotine and with, with smoking- I'm sorry, you were probably going to start saying. No, go right ahead. Things. Go right ahead. No, because, you know, smoking, quitting smoking is like the hardest thing that anybody can ever do. And I had a hard time. I mean, I didn't smoke through Jack's pregnancy, but I will admit, because this is what we do here, that I did smoke a couple cigarettes while I was pregnant with Exley. And then when I was breastfeeding, I smoked not regularly. I was like kind of in the process of quitting, but um, I did smoke every once in a while and um, I don't anymore. It's been several years and I, my own lungs can't handle it anymore. But um, um, what you, what you're not smoking is better for you. You know, because smoking is, we don't have to talk about that because smoke, we all know smoking is, that's what we're all trying to do is quit smoking, right? Yeah. Um, but when you're having a baby and you're also trying to quit like a, a, this habit, it's really hard. So, you know, smoke as little as possible. Don't smoke around the baby. Wash your hands. Do this, these like harm reduction steps and, you know, do your best. Do your best. But one of the things that I do try to always tell people is that, um, if you if you are a smoker and you're like okay I don't want to breastfeed because I'm a smoker so you choose oh, not yeah. to breastfeed because you're a smoker no, no, however no, no, no. your baby is going to get that third hand smoke that you know like be exposed to that because you are a smoker and that of course is going to impact like respiratory issues and things like that breastfeeding will help with those things breastfeeding is protective so if you cannot quit or if you, you know, if you cut down, but you're like, I'm really having a hard time. It's really stressful. I, you know, that's is my out. Just keep in mind that if you're still giving your baby the breast milk, that is protective for them. It is. And that is that you should absolutely breastfeed if you are a smoker because of that, because you're still being able to give your baby those protective qualities. So it is. 
I mean, yes, everybody should quit just for like health reasons. And I was a smoker. Like I was, I quit before, like when I got married the first time, that's when I quit. But I was a, I was a smoker for a long time too. So, I mean, it just, it was hard. It's hard. It's yeah, really it's an hard addiction. It, it was is, like a real yeah. addiction. Like it's not that you can't just be like, oh, this is bad for me. I stop now. That's not how addictions work. Right. So um, it's, the, yeah. The yeah. other thing to say about that is that if you are a smoker, that is a, that is a risk factor in bed sharing. Yes. So you're going to want to have your baby on another sleep surface. You can even have like the sidecar crib or the crib in the room, but it can affect your ability to like to wake up and like the kind of natural, like, you know, body rhythms and stuff. So that is listed, not just from me, from, you know, scientists that study bed sharing and all of that as a risk factor. So separate sleep sleep surface. Yeah. So I think we do. I know we did talk about it briefly once, maybe when we talked about marijuana. Um, and I don't know if she listened to the marijuana episode. Maybe she passed over it thinking it wasn't nicotine. So yeah, we may have mentioned it in there. Yeah, I think we did mention it in there. I'll link it just in case. Um, but but yeah. So and I and one of the other things too is like thank you for asking that question because I think people really feel like they can't talk about smoking. I think smoking cigarettes is like more taboo than smoking weed. I feel like anyway. So yeah. Um, I'm glad that you asked because I think it is something that people are still doing, whether they're kind of closet smokers or not um, yeah. or vaping or whatever, which is the same kind of the same thing anyway. But um, I definitely that- get emails and messages from people that are like, I don't know who to ask. I'm embarrassed to ask. Yeah. Can I ask you this question privately? Yeah. So thanks for bringing that up. And I wanted to put that out there because in case anybody else was wondering too. So, so great. Yeah, so that um, that is our review, and that was on iTunes. So thank you so much for doing that for us. We appreciate it a lot, and um, good luck with your baby. And today, we're going to talk about when to wake the baby. This is like such a big thing. Mm-hmm. This is a big thing, and I remember being confused about this. Oh, I feel like th- everybody's confused. The other day. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's very confusing because it's it's like, you know, now they're sleeping or they haven't slept right. They haven't slept more than a couple hours and now they slept five hours. Am I supposed to wake them up? What do I you know, it's just like a big it's a big thing. And then people are like, never wake a sleeping baby. And then some people are like, oh, my God, you have to wake the baby. And it's really confusing and there's no information. And I remember having Jack in a in this little like um, in one of those like rock. It's like a little bassinet, like the Fisher Price Rock and Play. I feel like there's like recently there was a recall. Yeah, there was a recall of those about like babies like not being. Oh my god, which is because that's where I had both my babies. Yeah, everybody loved them. Yeah, yeah, when they weren't in bed with me or like when you know whatever they were. I always use those. Um, but um, I had him next to the bed, and I would say to Josh, I would be like, "Should we set an alarm?" Because I would, what I would do is I would wake up all the time and I would just like, po- I swear to God, my kids are 10. Jack's going to be 11 in a couple of weeks. Exley is eight. I still fucking do this. At night when they go to sleep, I put them to sleep. We go downstairs. We watch our shows. On my way to go to bed, I go and poke my kids until they move. <laughs> and Josh, co- I would just, ever since, I, I would just be like, do you, like, you know, like when you have a baby, you're like staring at them to see if their chest is moving, see if they're breathing poking that I, I don't know if anybody did this but i did it constantly and i would say like we have to set an alarm and he goes why so you can poke him until he wakes up <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like yeah 
Absolutely. He needs to be constantly I need to make sure that he's alive. Always. So last night, I'm not making this up. Last night, I went to go to bed. And I called into my son, who I knew was still awake, because I heard him like he was playing video games in his room. And I go, B, night B, see you in the morning. And he didn't answer me. Oh, God. He probably had earphones in or whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, is he dead? He's 19. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. come on. You can't. I just, I don't know. It stays. It just d- doesn't go away. Right? Well, like, it just doesn't no, go away. And here's the story. My mother-in-law, she's 83, I think. And her son, my husband's older brother, um, Josh is 54. So the bro- brother's probably like 55 or 56. And... She went, my mother-in-law went through this time. I mean, it went through, she kind of always does this, but she went through a really bad time of anxiety and she was constantly calling the older brother. Like, and he was really into fishing and so she'd be freaking out that he like drowned in a river or something. Mm -hmm. And she'd be texting him, texting him, calling, 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 texting, calling, like harassing him. (laughs) He's 56. Yeah, it doesn't go away. No, it doesn't. It doesn't go away. No. That's terrible. And then people I, also, like, how many times do you hear somebody say, oh, my God, the first time the baby slept longer than three hours, I was freaked out. Because oh, yeah. it's like, then you go, oh, my God, is the baby okay? And, yeah, is the baby okay? And then you wake up with rocks on your chest. Yeah. And it's like, you really want to sleep, but you can't because the baby's sleeping. And then you're like, oh, my God, I can't sleep. <laughs> I need to just sleeping. stare at the baby sleeping. Yeah. Make sure they don't die while they're sleeping. These are, real, these are real fears. These are like, this is what we go through. Do you remember that Golden Girls episode where she, um, Dorothy, if, and nobody's watching Golden Girls. Please do it. Because oh, my God. It's, it's on Hulu. Watch it. It's so funny. 90, 1990 show where Dorothy put the mirror up to see if somebody was breathing. And Rose was like, how, how do you know how to do that? And she goes, because I do it every morning with Ma. If it if oh. the mirror fogs <laughs> yeah. up, I go make the coffee. Like, just, yes. like it just is something we do. We just got to make sure our kids are still alive. I don't yeah, know. And then our parents. Yeah. And then our parents later on when they're acting like children. So when to wake the baby? So somebody brought this up to me the other day. And this was like during a prenatal where she said, do you feed on demand or do I wake the baby? And I think that can be confusing, you know, like, cause we're like feed on demand, feed on demand, feed on demand. Oh, wake the baby for feedings. And it sounds like it's contradicting what we're saying. But the thing with babies is that things change very frequently what you're doing with them. And I usually tell people, and this comes from my experience of working with newborns for long, long periods of time, that in the very beginning, and when I say the beginning, I mean like the first two weeks, you do need to wake your baby for feedings because Mm -hmm. they are really sleepy. And like, do they even know they're hungry? You know, I've heard some people say, I've heard like a pediatrician say, babies don't even recognize hunger yet. Like they don't know that that sensation is hunger. That is something that they figure out as they go. So do we, does that, and I don't know, like how does anybody even know that, right? Like how do we know that? But do yeah. we know if our baby knows that they're hungry or not, right? So waking them is important in the beginning to make sure that they are feeding as frequently as they need to, that they're getting what they need. And I have seen babies that they were not gaining well And when we kind of do a little bit of digging, we find out that 
nobody's waking them for feedings. So they're missing feeds. So the baby might not tell you in that first two weeks. They might not because they might not know to tell you that they need to eat. So in the first couple of weeks, if we always say like, wake your baby the first couple of weeks, like, you know, every two to three hours, if they're not up to feed by two and a half hours, then wake them. So that way you can go overnight. They could probably go three or four hours and then wake them for feedings. Um, once they're back to birth weight, and this is a conversation to definitely have with your pediatrician because everybody says something different. But typically, once they're back to birth weight, which usually takes about two weeks, then it's kind of like, all right, just kind of start doing whatever you want to do. You know, like you can, yeah, you know. But I think that, yeah. I just want to, I want to point out how contradictory this sounds <laughs> because we are constantly like, just follow the baby's lead. Just like, you know, your baby will tell you, you know, follow your intuition. No, you know, do all of these things. And then it's like, well, but then I'm waking the baby when they should be sleeping or when they're sleeping, then I'm waking the baby and that's not really following the baby. And like, we have to acknowledge that there's kind of two sides to it, that, that your baby is just born. They don't know how to do anything. They're learning how to breathe. They're learning how to swallow. They're learning how to suck. That's all that they know how to do and sleep. But like, it's just like breastfeeding. You know, we say, oh, just, you know, follow, follow their lead. Well, but yes, and breastfeeding is natural, but it doesn't necessarily come naturally. Like they have to be, you have to help them. You're going to have to help them latch. You're going to have to help them, you know, figure out these things. Uh, so they do need that help in the beginning. This is all mm -hmm. learned stuff. You know, they're learning too. And that's why you exist because, right. you know, you, you know, it's not like, you know, you, we watch these, like, sh we, we're really into sharks here. And we watch these shark documentaries. And we watch this one, like the, the lemon shark, the lemon shark swims like pff, fucking ridiculous, like a hundred miles or something to go to this little like place, this little shallow kind of uh, protected area gives birth to live babies and swims away. And the babies just kind of hang out there because it's kind of protected a little from predators and stuff. And then they get like old enough, whatever. And then they just go off on their own. Okay. Human babies aren't like this. No. <laughs> human babies, first of all, are born a lot earlier than we have been in the past. And we've talked about this, about how um, human babies are the, the most immature of, of mammals that are born. That as humans, we know we're hunched over and carried babies longer, like up to a year. And as humans became more upright, the birth canal became more narrow. And so then we needed to give birth to smaller babies. So the way that nature solved that was to just give birth to the baby earlier. This is what we call the fourth trimester, mm -hmm. you know, where they are, have been historically still inside the womb. And we treat them as such, you know, with the baby wearing the skin to skin, the, you know, all of this. Um, so yeah, they're not just, you, you know, they're not a horse where they just get born and then stand up, you know, they're, they're, they're not that developed yet where they really are needing this kind of help. And, um, yeah, that was a long speech. No, <laughs> but one of the other pieces to this puzzle is that in the beginning, in the first two weeks, your milk supply is being established based on what the baby is telling it to do. The more frequently the baby is feeding, the more milk your body is going to make. 
the more your body gets the message, oh, we need to make more milk, the more triggered that prolactin is, which is what makes your milk supply, your milk supply. So the more frequently in the beginning your baby is feeding, the better for your milk supply. So if your baby is up and feeding every couple hours in those first couple of weeks, that is going to really help support a really great healthy milk supply for you. Um, one thing that I definitely want us to talk about is when we have to stop waking the baby. So why don't we do that after our break, after we talk about Imani? Absolutely. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Imani. Helping mothers everywhere with the right tools, Imani recently released the Imani I1 Dual Breast Pump, featuring the quietest motor on the market. Experience optimal pumping with hospital strength output, as well as a never-before-seen boost mode. Whether pumping from one breast or both, this smart system maintains a constant pumping pressure. Its two main cycles, massage and express, include multiple vacuums on each cycle. Portable, efficient, and hands-free, find out why Imani USA products are trusted by over 46 million mothers around the world throughout their breastfeeding journey. For more information, visit Imani USA, that's I-M-A-N-I-U-S-A dot com, and use code BADASS for 25% off of your purchase. And today's sponsors and their promo code can be found in our show notes under this episode at BadassBreastfeedingPodcast.com. Our show notes will also include further information about things we talk about in this episode, and at BadassBreastfeedingPodcast.com, you will also find our breastfeeding resources, all of our other episodes and information about scheduling your very own one-on-one -on -one online lactation consultation with Diane, where she can yeah. help you figure out when to wake up your baby <laughs> or stop waking up your baby. Or stop waking up your baby. <laughs> so this happened recently where I was talking to a family and the baby was like, I want to say two or three months, two months maybe. And, um, or maybe even, I don't know but definitely old enough. And they said that we were just chatting, you know, about like they had different questions when to start pumping, like, all, you know, regular stuff that kind of comes up after the first, you know, month. And they, they were like, so when does the baby like start to sleep longer? And I was like, oh, that really is kind of, you know, obviously baby dependent and, you know, the whole sleep is, you know, the whole kind of got in this conversation with them about how some babies sleep longer than other babies. There is really no guarantees that your baby's going to sleep a super long period of time. And they go, no, we mean we're still waking the baby overnight every two hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the baby was like two or three months old. And I'm like, oh, my God, no, stop doing that. And they were like, <laughs> really? I go, yeah, yeah, you could stop doing that. Like, that's not, you don't need to do that anymore. That was a like first two week thing. Like, you don't have to keep doing that. So what I see happen, and I've seen this happen time and time again, is the pediatrician say, oh, wait, make sure the baby's not going longer than three or four hours overnight, you know, put weight on the baby. We got to get them back to birth weight, blah, blah, blah. And then you don't see your pediatrician again for like six weeks or something. So you're still waking the baby overnight. You don't realize you don't have to keep doing that. Yeah. So that's a conversation to have with your pediatrician. When they say to you, wake the baby overnight, say, how long does this need to happen for? Until the baby gets back to birth weight, until the baby's a month. Like, how long do we need to wake the baby every two, uh, two or three hours overnight? When can I let the baby sleep a little bit longer overnight? 
I always say once a baby hits birth weight, it's fine. But your pediatrician might have different something different in mind. But typically, that's what the, the guideline is. But if it's not told to you like that and you're used to waking your baby because you're terrified of weight gain issues, you're going to keep waking that baby until they're like two months old and you go back to the pediatrician and they say you don't have to. They don't think to talk about this with you. There's other stuff that they're covering. So nobody yeah. thinks to bring it up. Nobody thinks to say, are you still waking the baby? Oh, you don't have to do that anymore. But well, you they're don't probably all going to, we also, we also know that they're going to give the wrong information anyway. <laughs> you know, everyone gives different information. Everyone gives different oh, information. Oh no, you don't have yeah. to do that. Oh yeah, you have to do that. Oh no, no, yeah. no, no, no. Don't wake, don't wake the, don't wake a baby. Don't wake a sleeping baby. Yeah. Yeah. Then you got great aunt Sally saying, don't wait your, don't wake your baby. Yeah. yeah. And then they'll say, oh, your baby's not gaining well. You should, you need to supplement with formula. Yeah, that happens. Yeah. Like, and, and I, well, I mean, not like this is my first day and I know that that happened. But like <laughs> somebody emailed me that recently now that you're bringing that up that somebody said like about the baby, you know, should sleep longer. Your baby should sleep longer. You should sleep train them. And then saying, but the baby's not gaining enough weight. It's like, well, that is very contraindicated that you're saying your baby isn't gaining enough weight, but sleep train them because they're over four months old. Why are we taking away feedings? If that's a problem, like, I don't understand that. So, and that's a whole different conversation, but obviously those, you know, if your baby is not gaining well, or there's an issue with weight gain, we're not going to take feeds away. We're going to add feeds, right? Like we're going to make sure the baby's feeding when they need to be fed. During the daytime, sometimes I have noticed with some babies, and of course this is all subjective, but with some babies, if you're, you know, if you are waking them during the day and feeding them more frequently, then sometimes they will sleep, you know, a little bit better for you overnight because they're getting all those feeds in during the daytime. And that's, that's good. We want them awake and feeding during the day. Like that's ultimately our goal, right? Is to have your baby awake and feeding during the day. Um, I mean, not every baby follows that rule, but it's definitely something to kind of strive for. So when, of course, we do say, you know, feed on demand, but I also say feed on demand, but also don't let your baby go past like three hours during the daytime when they're, when they're newborn babies. As they get bigger, you don't have to worry about that too much because they become more in control of their feedings. In the first couple of weeks, you're kind of in control of their feedings. After that, they get to, you know, they start to figure out their sleep a little bit better, a little bit better. They start to figure out that they're hungry and they want to eat. But when I say feed on demand, for me, that means like, don't not feed them. You know what I mean? Like cluster feed it, like things like that. If your baby, if it's only been an hour and your baby wants to eat again, Okay, listen to them. That's something that they want. It's not like, okay, don't wake them. It's more of like, feed them if they seem to want to eat more frequently than every two hours. Do you know what I mean? Did that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about like feeding on demand. I feel like that's more of like, listen to the cluster feeding kind of thing. Yeah, just like uh, when in doubt, whip it out. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But people do really have a have an issue with like waking the like I, I find that that sometimes is like a cultural thing or generational. Maybe that's a better word. Generational. Um, I hear that a lot yeah. about like, oh, my mom said not to wake the baby or this, you know, said not to wake the baby or whatever. There is so much stigma around sleep. So much. Oh, my God. It's crazy. It is. It's insane. And it's. Yeah. 
I think it all, you know, it just stems from all this confusion about, you know, because then we have, again, like we talked about, you know, with the last episode, all of these policies that are confusing, you know, and that, you know, baby should sleep here and should sleep there. And then you're at the pediatrician and they should be sleeping this. Remember, I, I always talk about this when my pediatrician told the, me that Jack should be sleeping 12 hours. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. He was like, how old was he? Like three months or something? Yeah. He was like three, three months old. Yeah. Well, maybe even younger. Yeah. Because she was like the first person we saw. And then after like a few weeks, she was like, oh, oh, he should be sleeping. You know, he should be able to go like 12 hours now. On what fucking planet right. is a baby no. sleeping 12 hours? That's scary. Yeah. It's like, that's not supposed to happen. <sighs> no. Yeah. And, you know. And I usually tell people, too, that if your baby sleeps longer at night, that's awesome. But you might wake up because you're too full. Yeah. That's a thing. Yep. And people are like, totally. oh, I didn't realize. Like, yeah, that's that is a thing. Your body goes, Oh, it's time to feed, you know, time to time to go. Let's go. And the baby's sleeping a little bit longer. And I have met some moms that are like, that doesn't even bother me. I'll just sleep. I'm like, okay. Yeah. That's I fine. know. That's when I, that was that's when you wake up in a big puddle. Yeah. I used to wake up in a puddle. Like, wake up and go, oh my God. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> It must have slept a long time. Oh, God, I know. Now, with this comes another question that comes up quite a bit. Where And this just actually a pediatrician just texted me the other day. um, Pediatrician that I know texted me the other day to ask me about this. If the baby is gaining well, everything is great, and sleeping longer stretches, does mom need to get up and pump? Yeah. My answer is always no. Do what the baby's doing. That's always my answer. But you will see, if you Google it, you will see people saying, oh, you have to get up and pump even if your baby's sleeping because otherwise you're going to lose your milk supply. That's not true. If your baby is feeding well all day long and sleeping better at night, sleeping six hours, say, at night, you should do what your baby's doing. We want you to follow the baby unless you really want to get up and pump because you really want to store that milk. That's the only reason why I would say to get up and pump in the middle of the night if your baby's sleeping. Otherwise, just do what your baby's doing. What if you wake up and you're really full and you're leaking and stuff? Should somebody like pump a little to avoid like clogged ducts or something? You could probably hand express a little um, or you could even do a dream feed. Like there's no oh, harm yeah. in, in doing that. And that's just where you, you know, kind of pick up the baby. Don't wake them. Don't change them. Don't do any of that stuff. Just pick them up, see if they'll feed for a couple minutes and put them back down. Um, that's something that, you know, sometimes people will implement as their baby is starting to sleep a little bit longer. But you could absolutely get up and hand express some milk out just to kind of stay comfortable to get through the night. But you want your body to adapt to what the baby's doing. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll be up pumping in the middle of the night for as right. long as you're breastfeeding. That's true. Yeah. Then you're going to tell your body that that's a time when milk is being expressed and then it'll continue to make all that milk. Yeah. At that time. Yeah. So we just want you to be able to kind of go with what your baby is doing. Um, I mean, plus who, I mean, just, oh my God, sleep if your baby's sleeping overnight, you know, like if you yeah, if you and, and this is where, this is where a lot of, you know, where we say, you know, people say, well, I'm not going to co-sleep. I'm not going to bed share. Read up on the safe bed sharing. We have episodes about that. Listen to those, how to create this safe bed sharing situation for yourself that is, you know, free of 
dangers and, you know, the risk factors, which you can all, you can create yourself by listening to that episode and looking them up. Um, because people end up doing this. Yeah. They're going to say, you know, you, you might go in saying, I'm not going to bed share, but we know set it up anyway, because we know that people end up doing it because we're tired. You know, it makes it easier for that dream feed. People don't want to get up. It's hard to reason with yourself <laughs> when you're yeah. tired. Yeah. You're like, I don't, I don't, I don't. And just so just if you preemptively, you know, set up that space, then you can just you don't have to worry about it. You know what I and see then it's a lot. There for do that. And then you don't need to pump. You just stick your boob in your baby's mouth and and you're good. Mm hmm. There we got. Well, I don't want to get this get into like a whole like we have a lot of episodes on you know, on, on bed sharing and stuff. Uh, but somebody did recently ask me about like, well, what do you do as a baby's older? And what about if you want to have intimacy with your husband? And what about, oh my God, we partner? should totally and, talk about that. You know, and there's like so much, and what I told her, I'm like, sometimes, cause sometimes what happens is your baby does start out somewhere else. And then when they wake up to, to eat during the night, you're like, Oh my God, let me just put the baby in with me. Like that happens. So mm -hmm. like Abby's saying, if you have things set up for it, you'll be ready instead of like trying to sit up in a rocking chair in another room feeding your baby in the middle of the uh, night no that's not safe that is right. not safe it's not so people you know tend to just kind of end up and then they say oh i don't bed share but it's like well, where does the baby end up in the middle of the night it's like mm -hmm. okay with me so that is not it's not a bad thing to just be prepared for that to happen because you might mm -hmm. think oh that's not what we're going to do but in the middle of the night you might be like oh it's just going to be easier let me just go lay back down with the baby in bed and it happens you know, yeah, um, and have sex on the couch. What is like what is so hard for people to understand about this? I swear to God, people that's like one of the biggest criticisms about bed sharing. She's like, Oh, well, that's a place for your for you and your partner. Your baby shouldn't be in there. And like, where are you gonna have sex? Did you not go to college? <laughs> like, did you not have roommates and have to be creative? Like, yeah, it's that's what it's I, I fine. Was, sex can happen anywhere. That's what I said too. I'm like, sometimes you have to be creative, but sometimes you can start the baby in another room or in another sleep space and then just bring them in with you when they wake up the first time. You can do that too. Um, it's sometimes you don't go to bed at the same time as the baby either. So, you know, it's like there's ways around all of this stuff. You can, yeah, I, yeah, there really you, is. And yeah. like you get to sleep. Like the, that's the point. Yeah. Is to create is so that and, you're sleeping. And yeah, there is really like how, you know, we were talking about in the beginning about um, like still waking your kid up when they're 20 years old to make sure that they're still, you know, <laughs> poking them when they're yeah, make sure they're still breathing. There is I, I have met a lot of people who really have a lot of anxiety about whether or not their baby is breathing. And yep. there's things out there on the market that will totally Ugh. feed into this. Yep. And um, that's, you know, that's really difficult, but. Yes. So this is the, <sighs> this is what capitalism does. It finds where the anxiety and the fears are and it feeds on that. So we're all afraid that our babies are going to stop breathing because that's how we keep our babies safe, right? We're, we're become, we become completely wired differently when we have babies. We are just like, mm -hmm. this is what we do. This is how we keep them safe. We are more heightened, you know, to their needs and to their safety. And, and you, as a parent, are perfectly capable of keeping your baby safe. 
You do not need to put some sort of ankle bracelet on them. You don't need to put like a flat screen TV video camera in there in the room. You don't need, you know, the I mean, and a lot of this stuff, too, feeds into the fact that babies are safer sleeping somewhere else when babies are safest sleeping next to you. Mm-hmm. They have these things now where they, you can wrap it on your baby and like it, it, it'll like go off if they're, if their um, body temperature changes. <laughs> I mean, like the, the way that a baby regulates his body temperature is by being next to you. Mm-hmm. That is literally what is happening. They are like learning to be alive by being next to your alive body. It's regulating their body temperature. It's regulating their breathing. And this is this is just science. This is just biology. But these, you know, these we have this market now, right? So this baby is safer in this crib. You have to buy this. Oh, and then, you know, but then there's this, you know, you're afraid that your baby's going to die. So, okay, so you can buy all these things too. You are it's, capable of keeping your baby alive. Yeah. And and you will and you, I know like when you're when you're pregnant like hear this a lot too when I do prenatals. Well, I'm a really heavy sleeper or, you know, I don't know if I'll hear the mm-hmm. baby. It's very different once you have the baby. And I know like that sounds so cliche, but it really is very different when you have the baby and you mm-hmm. do really become very much in tune with them and you hear them and you know what's going on. And it is a different story. So, I mean, eventually you do become comfortable when they're sleeping that you're like, okay, the baby's sleeping. I can go to sleep too. But in the beginning, every little thing we worry about, right? The baby grunts and we're like, oh my God, are they choking? What's happening? Like, we, oh my, mm-hmm. there's so much anxiety around what is your baby doing during their sleep patterns that we want to wake them up. But then at yeah. the same time, we just want to sleep, but we can't because we're too anxious about not watching yeah. our baby sleep. It's yep. really kind of fucked up. It is. It's not fair. But it's also why humans have survived, because we are wired to keep our babies alive. And that's what we do as, as the parents. And it's our, for a reason. You know, you really are. You know, you're feeling ac- anxious. You're feeling like you're crazy. You're feeling like, how oh, I can't believe I'm checking to see if my baby's breathing. No, this is, we're all doing this. Yeah. You're in the shower. You hear babies crying. You come out, your baby's sleeping. That happens to all of us. Yeah. And um yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It is. It's really? good. I yeah. mean, it it is ultimately serves the purpose of survival. Yeah. It really yeah, it's kind of it's really kind of cool actually. But yeah, so if people tell you don't wake your baby for feeds um in the beginning it is okay to wake your baby for feeds because your baby might not just remember your baby might not realize that it's time to eat. So it is good. And sometimes if you really, if you let your baby go, so babies, we encourage babies to eat eight to 12 times in a 24 hour period. That is kind of the norm. So, and that's just kind of a guideline again. Um, They might eat more. They might, especially the, the, you know, the newer they are. You might get 14 feeds in a day. Like that's, that's normal. We, but we look for like eight to 12. If your baby sleeps six hour stretch in the middle of the afternoon, when are they going to be up eating? Like all night. So that's why we say, <clears throat> that's why we say feeding them during the day 
more frequently waking them and feeding them during the day is just a lot easier for you, you know, like if you're trying to kind of like get your baby to sleep a little bit longer stretch overnight. Babies will typically do, like newborn babies will typically do one four-hour stretch in a 24-hour period of time. That's typically what we see. Mm -hmm. And that's okay to do a four-hour stretch. That's fine. Um, But like five or six or seven as a newborn is really not recommended because they're missing like two feeds in that span of time. Yeah, I mean, that adds up to over, over several days that becomes a weight loss issue or a weight gain issue, I should say. So we don't, I mean, we don't encourage them to just like sleep these huge long stretches overnight. They need to get those feedings in and trying to like stuff them full before putting them to sleep isn't the best idea either. Cause sometimes you'll hear, well, give them more before bed. No. That way they'll sleep longer. Now That's- you don't want your baby to sleep longer. Mm-mm. They're, your baby wakes frequently for a reason. They're not developmentally ready to go into that deep of sleep. And I right. say this all the time. I'm going to say it again. <laughs> this is why formula is a SIDS risk. And yeah. I'm not saying that to be an asshole. Diane and I have both used formula. Yes. But formula, especially when overused, because overfeeding is super common then with, with a bottle, um, then it puts the baby into a deeper sleep a sleep a a level of sleep that they are not developmentally ready to be in and they can have trouble coming out of that sleep this is why breast milk is thin easily digestible and why they wake frequently to feed that young they have small little bellies you know you fill it up a little bit at a time wake up and they stay in this light kind of light level of sleep that's they're not born with like this circadian rhythm where they are know their sleep cycles and stuff. No. Like, I mean, there that just just not what's happening with them. And it's really important to kind of keep them in a place. I mean, for lots of reasons, like we said, they're developmentally not ready to sleep yet. They also need the feedings. It's important for your milk supply. Like, there's there's valid reasons why you should be waking your baby like to eat. Really oh, important I, safety yeah. reasons. Yeah. So this is, you know, this isn't something that we're just saying, oh, you should do what we say. Like there's, you know, there's definitely reasons why behind it. The other thing too is that like, of course, everybody has an opinion on this. So you will hear yeah. people say, oh, your baby should be sleeping longer. Your baby should be sleep. Your baby Ugh. should be. Your baby weighs 10 pounds. They should be able to sleep a five hour stretch <laughs> by now. Come on. Like, <laughs> really? Like whose rule is that? I mean, it's just, and then when your baby doesn't hit that milestone, you're like, well, what am I doing wrong? Ugh. Something's wrong. And that's not the case. Yeah. It's just, it's totally just babies are babies. They do their thing. Yeah, and people don't understand babies. They just make shit up. (laughs) Like you just you. Next time somebody says something like that, you just be like, "You made that up." Yeah, totally call them out. Or whoever told you that made it up. Yeah, because that came out of thin air or someone's ass. Yep, absolutely. It's just everybody's everybody's different. They're all different. But waking them when you if you should wake your baby. Definitely in the first couple of weeks, make sh- just, you know, make sure that they're eating every couple hours. That's all. Like we don't want them going longer than like a four hour stretch in those first two weeks of life. That is pretty much the norm. But after that, when they're in more control of their feedings, you can let them go a little longer. But, you know. Yeah. 
Cool. Well, thank follow you very your much, Diane. Follow your baby. Yeah. Follow your baby, but also wake them up. Yeah. <laughs> also teach your baby. See? <laughs> it's confusing. It is confusing. We suck. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> no, it's true, though. You have, to, yeah. it's, you have to help your baby in the beginning. Follow yeah. your baby, but also know that you're in charge. You know, you're the one who's uh, teaching them how to be alive right now. Yeah. Yeah. No pressure. <laughs> Good luck with that. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> See you next week. See ya. See ya.